0: One of the weird things about being a lifelong music fan is we all are part of different eras right and sometimes you're lucky enough to be close sometimes even get a front row seat for some of the weirdest coolest most amazing things that have happened in the history of contemporary American music Jane's Addiction I remember going to Northern Lights in 1988 and seeing nothing shocking and being like what the Now, I had listened to a lot of weird hardcore. I'd listened to a lot of other stuff. There had never been a band like them before. And that, to me, is what's the important stuff, The, the, the contextual, the connective tissue. Like, holy crap. And even if you're not a huge fan of theirs, there's no way to deny what they had done. And then I would later on go to a concert, a massive major festival, one of the first of its kind or one of the earliest of its kind, certainly. Okay, Woodstock, blah, blah, blah. I'm talking about the modern era, relatively modern era. Now, that grandpa's moving on in years where they were the headliners. And it was it was incredible. Jane's Addiction, there really wasn't anyone else like them. And then Perry Farrell decided he was bigger than Jesus and (laughs) came up with Lollapalooza, et cetera, et cetera. I got to be honest, Sean. Right now, I'm a little, I'm a little scattered. I'm a little distracted because we have two guests on today's podcast who <laughs> represent such an important, informative portion of my life. But it's so wild and so big and so overarching. I don't even know where to start. My thoughts are completely scattered. So let me go back to square one. It's the Brian Oak Show podcast. This is episode 116. That's Sean Bernard. Hi, Sean.
1: How's it going? I am ready for this. I mean, we had some fun. I haven't seen
0: either of these bros in a minute and I uh, love them both deeply. Uh, although I'll be honest, not all of our days together were golden. <laughs> no. And, and you know that's why your mi- your mics your mics are muted. Uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm rattled. I'm sorry. I'm ra- go ahead and bring them up now. Who cares? Bring them yeah, up. Yeah, they're now. on. You're on. Right, You're live. On. Um, I just, you know, I was going to sure. do a quick little hello and try to set the stage before we got into it, but I, I don't know that that's what this episode calls for. So, uh, Sean, real quickly, before we bring our guests in, um, I don't know if you know this or not. Oh, actually, I do know that you know this because you and I did it together for a long time. I spent some time in radio. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Uh, and so have you. Yes. No shortage. Well, the two gentlemen who are with us today in the Smart Start MN studio have spent as much, if not significantly more time in the world of radio than either of us and maybe both of us combined. One goes by the name of Johnny the Rock Lasmani.
2: Hello, Brian <laughs> The old Brian Oak. Hey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for inviting. Um, I was going to say, not always golden in our uh, memories, but always golden showers, buddy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And And we're off. You you (laughs) haven't called me booby in more than twenty years. And that was wonderful. (laughs) Peter Johns also joins us today. So the first time I had a chance to really get to know the two of you, I started out at this weird little indie station where everyone's like, We're amazing. We're we're David and we're gonna (laughs) slay Goliath. And we worked at a little station in the Twin Cities called Rev 105 Revolution Radio, which to be honest, was more passion than it was experience or credible knowledge or any idea how to do anything anyone was doing. Luckily, we had, what did our last guest call him, an angel... Investor. Angel, angel investor? investor sure. Who just poured millions into the project <laughs> and lost every damn dime until he sold the station after the telecom bill. Um, and so we had this weird little golden fantasy treehouse of independent music, which really was pretty cool. Unfortunately, the alternative radio explosion had already happened. And across the street was a place called 93.7 The Edge. And they were a megalith. And, man, did they fucking love Candlebox. Oh, holy <laughs> (laughs) Holy shit, did they love Candlebox. Whereas we we were more interested in artists like Stoom. (laughs) But uh, when I went to work over there, that was my first experience personally with either John Lassman or Peter Johns. Now, both of you had different vectors to market. First of all, it's lovely to see both your faces because you remind me of a time very long ago... And I kind of want to ask John first about his story of how he came to radio and what that means. Yeah. But I feel like that's like a five part episode of Behind the Music on its own. <laughs> Can you give me an elevator speech, John, on your life in radio
2: prior to you and I crossing paths in 1997? Ooh, yeah, I was the kid that uh, after school, going back to sixth grade, I would hang out at the radio station and. Uh, You know, answer the phones, fill out the uh, giveaway stuff, whatever I could do, you know. So
0: we've all met those radio geeks, Yeah, but then somehow at some point you become the guy at KQ who's like the hot young kid with the cool hair and hanging out with the pretty girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. How the hell do you make that leap? Most nerds never make that leap.
2: Thank you for the pretty girlfriend line, I don't know. But uh, that was, you know, by the time KQ was around, (laughs) I had already gotten (laughs) to... You know, go to college on the East Coast and work in New York City radio through my connections at KDWB, and it all sort of worked out. I mean, I like to say I was. We skipped too much of that story again. I yeah, don't want to make this the whole no, show. I don't want to. But
0: either. when you when you're the sixth grader who's filling out the stuff after school, where is that happening at? Where are you from?
2: Um, I'm at uh, a Marcy Open School, which uh, Marcy Playground was. Yeah, sex uh, and candy. Yes. There you go. Yes. But um, so then,
0: what gets you out to the East Coast?
2: I went to college there, and I knew. A gentleman named Gary Stevens, who was one of the uh, big wigs at Double Day Broadcasting, and I said, "Gary, I'm uh, currently uh, doing research after school at KDWB Stereo One Hundred and One. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I go to college on the East Coast, do you think maybe I could, you know, get a part time nothing job at the new rock station in Market Number One?" And he said, "Yes." And lo and behold, within six months, college was taking a back seat, and I was doing a lot of stuff in New York. And then when I came back because that station was great during the commercial free summer. Yes, I said commercial free summer. Uh, not, yeah, not that. That's the radio world in 1982. (laughs) Not, uh, not so great after we had to play commercials again. So after two years that evaporated. I found myself back in Minneapolis, but I did have that on my resume and I was able to get. Weekends at KQ, and you know you hang out long enough, they have to finally offer you something. So over the years, I I sort of moved up the proverbial radio ladder. Not sort of, you moved up the proverbial ladder wow. both on air and into management,
0: and became an important part of what was back then ABC Cap Cities, probably many different names. Yeah. Also evolved through a long time. So Peter, I want to turn yeah. over to you. You and I met then, but you'd obviously been involved for a long time before that. So these were my two bosses. Back in, night, I had lost my first radio job, which anybody who spent time in radio knows that you're like, I was a fraud to begin with. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm never going to work again. I'm never going to work again, and... They found me out. Red 105 was like the coolest thing ever, and it... And then it went away. I mean, again, coolest thing ever to about 45 people. But then it went away, and uh, it X-105 became a thing for a little while. And I was still doing mornings there, not really talking, just playing fucking... Not even the good Scorpions, like shit Scorps uh, <laughs> every morning. And Wade Linder was sitting over in that other little office, and I I went over one day. I'm like, so it's been two weeks. I mean, do you guys think you're going to offer me a job? I just wanted to work in radio. I, didn't, I loved metal. I grew up in Coon Rapids. I didn't give a shit. He's like, well, <laughs> we're thinking about maybe offering you... Like like one weekend slot, I'm like, Yay. I'm like, I'm like, fuck it, I'm out. I'll figure out something else to do. I so I literally have packed up my stuff in my sh- in my desk. I'm walking out. He's like, well, Would you ever want to work at the Edge? And I was like, Well, yeah. No one said anything about it. No, that was a fucking option. Yes, I'd like to work at the Edge. And he sent me over to meet John that day. And shortly thereafter, Peter, I met you. So when I went over there, and you guys are already the kingpins of the scene, and ABC Cap Cities buys Rev One Hundred Five from Jim Cargill. He's the program director, you're the promotions director, and I'm like, these two guys are like I'm I'm going to a 100,000-watt station. I'm in my mid-20s and don't have the slightest fucking idea what I'm doing, and prior to you becoming the leather jacket-wearing promotions director (laughs) at 93.7 The Edge
3: how? What was your vector to market? How did you get into radio? Yeah. So, um, growing up, we had my dad was really into radio, and he was a jazz collector, and he bought this trans uh, what is it? Oceanic radio, Zenith, nineteen fifty seven. Okay. And I used to listen to the BBC and the John Peel sessions and stuff like that, and I'd sit there and uh, like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever! Nerd. It's happening. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Make, it was- on, my, on my liquid
0: crystal set <laughs> that I have made from Radio Shack. <laughs>
3: Um. Yeah, and not, they never played Seven Mary Three, John. So, um, so that Here was <laughs> <know what you laughs> so. So anyway, it, it escalated, <laughs> and, and and I and I got a job, and I used to hang out at a little radio station in Fergus Falls called KJJK ninety six and a half right. FM. And so I started there, got mornings, got PD, and had a great uh, run there. It was a ton of fun. It was a contemporary station, and we played you know songs like. Uh, dancing on the ceiling and that was contemporary right so um i wanted to transport it and i used to listen to wxrt i'd go down to chicago my family's all from down there and i'd listen to chicago and johnny marr and maybe it, the biggest
0: original alternative rock station
3: there ever absolutely. was it wasn't a college
0: station correct right? yeah
3: no and, and it was a destination and i'd go down there and my girlfriend was at school at Valparaiso, and we'd go listen and stuff like that so I wanted to bring that back, and so my only option was like, okay, i got to find something in the cities. And so I started going after Cities 97, and forever, and forever, and ever, and nothing ever really happened, until Michelle Diamond, who was the program director of uh, KTCJ, the jazz station. Hell and, of a name, by the way, oh, Michelle oh, Diamond. Phenomenal. And and uh, on that station, on the AM side, uh, in the jazz, it was uh, Shell... Uh, Danielson went by Alan Stone and the Groove Master Scott Thompson, and they brought me in, and I ended up doing middays there, and then swinging into cities.
0: Was he given the name Groove Master by someone else, or was that a
3: self-adopted nickname? It felt self-appointed, uh, but when you sat when you sat down and talked to the guy, he right. was like, "Okay, this is the Groove Master." You always smoked like <laughs> those Merit One Hundreds, and it was standing out there.
0: <laughs> Here's the weird thing: a lot of this is going to seem like inside baseball for a lot of people. If you don't care about radio, and it's it's Evolution in the Twin Cities, you probably should just go and watch some, I don't know. Um, yeah. I was going to say The Queen's Gamut, but also <laughs> sitting in front of you two, I was like, nah. there's got to be some weird German dungeon porn I could recommend to people. <laughs> um, anyway, never mind that, <laughs> so, but we are going yeah, so, to do a lot of that. Yeah. So, so you get to, to work at Cities 97. Our times there did not cross no,
3: over. No, we we were flip flopped, right? And right. so Lynn Bramer was the PD, and yep. another guy named Jim Robinson was there for uh, for a, a pretty good run. But then I ended up over at uh, KJ one hundred four, uh, and so that that's kind of where that transitioned out. And I ended up doing uh, middays in production. What's the there. year on that, Peter? Uh, Eighty nine, ninety, somewhere in there, somewhere in there. Yeah, uh, and
0: I didn't come to I didn't come to Twin Cities Professional Radio till. Well, I mean, I was the first DJ yeah, on. Radio K. Understood. 790 Understood. AM. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Understood. So let's be very clear <laughs> yes. about <Yeah>. who's <laughs> done what. <laughs>
2: I too spent time there, but it was w- WMMR. Yeah. yeah. Music should hurt. Exactly. But when
0: they made the flip to AM, that's where I started. I got the call from Kevin Cole, went over there. So our paths all cross, mm-hmm. um, in, Early 1997. It's the spring, late spring of 97. Rev is gone. It's been purchased. It's been turned into this metal nightmare that would then go on to become... A one hundred thousand watt FM nightmare that exists to this day, ninety three X, which our good friends Weasel and Josh—no, not Weasel, sorry, Nick and Josh—are still making it happen. Um, it's, it's such a tangled web that we weave in the radio world. But before we say goodbye to the Edge, the the Edge was very interesting. I spent a summer there where you were in the process of firing every single person who worked there, John. Uh, and so first, <laughs> I thank just you. slides that in there. Yeah. I uh, just slide it in. <laughs> Listen, though, no, 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 no. I say it with appreciation because if you hadn't, I spent time on afternoons. Who was I? I was nobody. I spent time on afternoons. I spent time on middays. I spent time on mornings because they were going through something of a transition or a flushing of the radio toilet because things were about to transition and the metal was going to move to the big station and the alt was going to move back to the same goddamn three minor signals I'd worked on for the previous three years. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want a very honest answer, because you and I have known each other for a long time. Yes. Yes you felt that Brian Oak was thrust upon you and you're like, who the fuck is this punk kid?
2: You know, not, yes and no. Here's the deal. I knew who you were because of Rev, obviously. right? And they were our competitor. And I listened, I monitored you all the time. So oh, I did was, you? Oh, yeah. Like when world- you
0: called me up on the request line and said things like, my
2: penis? That's
0: a different story. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that was the Peter Himmelman interview. We'll uh, uh, that's and that's when cool. remember. Record, I that's... knew, I,
0: that's the first admission I've ever gotten. But anyways, uh, I'd like to hear the answer uh, to the you, original question. Question. i
2: didn't feel you were thrust upon me uh, at the time they had uh, <laughs> let andy savage the morning show go they had so now here i was without a morning show and i had the competitor's morning show doing weekends or half of it so it actually worked out pretty good now right. that being said you were not andy savage and we weren't By god no no and we were you know sort of looking at this going well what are we doing and i knew in the not too distant future the station was going to inevitably go away and when howard stern came out in the market i said to myself that's it yep. they're going to make a move so right. uh, thrust upon me no but uh i would have been more than happy to have that seven share alternative station just stick around you know
0: Agreed. No, it it was a very successful station. It was a very it was a very odd world. Now I want to hear. So we brought you guys in early. There was one song I wanted to hear, which we can get rid of that Catherine song. Yep. But I see that you've picked something out by uh, five of my favorite girls on the planet, uh, who I have a platinum multi platinum record from on in the background.
2: Oh no! Wait. Do, do a you story. want to do that
0: here? Do you want to save that for later?
2: Um, why don't we play this one first? Because this has a. a a very interesting uh history well, yeah tour.
3: that one that one ties to two or three stations yeah. when
2: we signed 93.7 the edge on the air the last song that it's very confusing again uh, not, there was 93x originally not owned by the company that owned the edge oh so 93x was around for like three or four years and then we bought it and flipped it to the edge. So their last song was "Kiss God gave rock and roll to you," and then we great came pull. pull. We came great out of that, pull. and we played the following song nonstop for forty eight hours and kids back then there was no internet there was no cell phones nope. there was no texting so we had police showing up people thought you know the the <laughs> dj had had a heart attack and the song was on repeat <laughs> they couldn't figure it out and there was no uh there was a legal id at the top of the hour but aside from that There was no, uh, I don't think we played commercials. There were no DJs talking. And all you heard was that song over and over and over.
3: And that song is also was a signature sign off of KJ 104. Mm. So that's where the transition and that's Uh where it was. That was the sign. And everybody was like, oh, my God. And And so when 104 went down, right, we made an announcement. 30 days before it was going away, or Tucker did, or whoever did it. Yeah, precisely.
0: I mean, right. And again, so, for those who aren't old enough to remember, gather right. around. Your grandfathers are going to tell yeah. you a story. KJ-104 was the first sort of prominent alternative, not sort of, yeah. it was the first prominent alternative station in the market before Rev, before The
3: Edge. One of nine commercial alternative stations in the country. were mm. the third co- the third station in the country to add uh, Nirvana. Smells Like Teen Spirit.
0: Which, I don't know if anyone's heard, but that song sort of changed the fabric of American popular music. And, and, we moved
3: it just an inch or two to the left. We just got, a little bit. Yeah. College radio movement. <laughs> no doing girl, just girl, girl motley stuff, but yeah, you know.
0: No. <laughs> so well, let's hear the song. And and so this song has been <laughs> John, this song has been at the weirdest. John, juncture. we're not gonna hit a post. We're just doing this, right? <laughs> All right. 107 won the river. The valley's home for classic rock.
3: Laser 107.
0: Oh, let's hear some R. E. M on the Brian Oak show. take, document, the fifth album by R.E.M., last important record they ever released.
2: You don't like You don't like Ebo the letter? You know,
0: um... <laughs> I, God damn,
2: I'm so glad you're here. Uh,
0: so for me, those first five records are what made R.E.M. a top five American band all time for me, and maybe top three. I know that Green was giant. I know that Monster was even bigger. I know that Automatic for the People changed lives. But those first five records up to and including document are, I'm going to go out on a limb, even a hotter take. The greatest opening five albums, Chronic Town's great. Don't confuse me with the facts. <laughs> the, 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 the best opening five albums by an American band in American recorded music history, R.E.M.'s first five albums, mm. The End wow mm. wow fight me
2: give me something um, I, I would say you know we're an american band shine on grand funk live at shea stadium right there there's three i mean no i'm kidding grand <laughs> but see i love grand
0: funk and so i got nothing against
3: that. <laughs> he's like I'm where gonna, are you guys I, I love that right there hey two we, hangmen hanging from a tree john uh, yeah. i don't know Those if you're familiar with that I
0: gave my love a cherry (laughs) that had no stone. Uh, Before we continue with our guests, John Lassman and Peter Johns, I would like to mention Smart Start MN. In fact, we're recording in the Smart Start MN studio. What does Smart Start MN do? Well, initially, they went to government officials, which nobody wants to do. Talk about a drag. It's like, oh, hey, it's Wednesday. You have to go talk to the legislature. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> but they did because they knew it was important, and they went to talk to people in charge about how after you've had a DUI, they can get you back in your car. They can help you return your life to some semblance of normalcy, and they can do it at relatively inexpensive rates and much, much quicker than you'd expect, considering the gravity of the offense you've committed,
1: and they continue to do it to this day. And they don't shame you when you call them up, which is kind of nice smartstartmn.com/ Brian Oak show for 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock.
0: It's funny you should mention not shaming. I remember uh, one morning <laughs> one morning very, very clearly where my good friend, Steve Nelson, cohort colleague, lifelong ally, uh, he and I were starting out a morning show at about 5:30 a.m. And I don't know, we played something by Third Eye Blind or G-Love, entirely inoffensive. We were the least exciting morning show on the planet. And we had maybe just said good morning and said what the weather was going to be like that day. And the hotline goes off. And I said, I'm not answering (laughs) it. And Steve's like, you have to answer it. Like, Steve, I'm a rule follower, but Steve was a rule follower. So I answered it. And John was questioning the direction we were taking the morning show that morning. What? And um, he did. He did. He. I don't want to use the exact language that he used. I mm-hmm. did record it, but I didn't actually oh. keep it. I've done. Dude, does anyone else in this room have mail bins full of DAT yes. tapes mm-hmm. and cassette tapes that you yes, yeah. that you always thought Oceans. like I'm going to listen to this, right? And you know that they'll die with you, yes. right? And no one will ever care. Um So again, I I'm not a big shamer either, but it's nice to have you both back here. So, John, you. I mean, the Edge was massive, right? I mean, the, the Edge was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, alternative stations well, in the country.
2: I, I want to know what I had a problem with at, you know, two minutes into the show at 5.32 in the morning. Uh, I, I don't recall that, but it doesn't sound surprising. But Can I quote you? W- sure. On what you said? <laughs> sure.
0: In a In a low, husky, werewolf-like mm. growl, uh, you said... What the fuck are you doing to my radio? Station? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that
2: sounds like me. Okay. Uh, you what? Know, I, I didn't want to
0: bring it up, but, those I, went, are, uh, but no, I mean, like, I'm no. just saying. And and all I said was like, I don't know. We yeah. said
2: good morning, I, I, and you know, later on that day, we were fine. Yeah, we were I, fine. Look, that was in a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. It we've actually all, was. We've all mellowed and matured, Ooh. and. At Mostly. the time, uh, I mean, I was, a, we were all different people, but yeah, I, I could see myself doing that. I, well, here's why yeah. the thing
0: I always see and, myself, and living the reason, that. the reason didn't ruin our relationships. I'm like, this motherfucker cares about this well, radio station. Right. <laughs> he, 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 he really passionate. did. And I'm like, I'm like, I just, I know it was boring, but it wasn't like terrible. No, I said, it, I said no, it in a deep right. voice and no. so it, it was hard not to take it personally but I always enjoyed working for you. You were an unknown quantity and you made
3: me want to do better oh.
0: and I actually learned a lot working with both of you so Peter, you worked at City, so you were also worked at, at KJ104?
3: Oh yeah, days. Yeah, so, middays the, in production the, I
0: didn't do a lot of KJ104 because at the time I was this young long hair who was like I work at Ragstock, I'm too cool to listen to radio and oh, people yeah. kept telling me there was a cool radio station out there and I kept ignoring them until it was too like this is gone in two days so i
3: started listening and then it was gone in two days we had jesus built my hot rod every day at three o'clock and the phones would never stop ringing and so i mean you know the the artist you know where all this leads to and, and and this is kind of my salvo on this whole thing take a look at you know uh, kj 104 uh, radio k uh, rev edge um, as, as my career progressed, I got into concert promotion and, and, you know, we can get into some of the edge fest and the massive 35,000 people oh, yeah. at those shows and all that kind of stuff. But it, it made this a break market. So when you were a, a promoter and you're looking to bring an artist into this town, this town was so primed and ready because of the media outlets, the passion and everybody involved in the process and the work and all of the work all the, the ground that was laid by these stations and people like you and, and, and Steve and John and everybody in this thing. So when you get into the nuances of the arguments on you know rev versus edge, et cetera, et cetera, right. A, it's a 23 year old argument. Both stations are dead. Longer. But what it did, yeah, right. so, but what it did is it made this such a fertile market for alternative artists to come in mm-hmm. and just prosper and grow. And that's the stuff that I really got into.
0: You know what John really got into was having presidents of the United States of America <laughs> on the on the back of a flatbed trailer. Yeah. Pull, to, no, but but this is an important point, and I, I'm not doing this to shame you. I'm doing this to highlight to people. Yes. Radio had some halcyon days. There were stunts. There were events. There were bits. Yes. That I freaking loved. It, it was it was part of the. Fa- I was promised. Cocaine intern parties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, when, when I was
3: when I got into radio and John delivered. no, he did not. Okay, no.
0: but I was never, I was never at one of those parties. Uh, but, oh, you weren't there? No, oh. sadly, no. I'm sure you guys were at all of them. But like when you brought the presidency yes. of the United States of America on the back of a flatbed trailer outside the Kickernick Building downtown Minneapolis, where okay. Rev was broadcasting. Okay, right. and honestly, <laughs> this is not to shame you. This is to highlight. Like, radio stunts, radio promotions. Yeah, no yes.
2: shame. That's why I'm here. Okay, it, yeah. So here's used, the story. It, it used to story. be a thing, and I, I would love to hear it. Okay, so uh, Lump was a big hit <laughs> uh, getting played on the Edge and Rev yep. by presidents of the United States of America. And my local Columbia Records rep said, the band's open to Any idea you have? What do you want to do? Um, And, they, you know, they'll do a free show. We've done, like, a lunchtime Concert out on a mall, or a plaza downtown. So I had him rent a flatbed truck. And I said, I said, you know, it, the, I've seen videos of like Herman's Hermits doing this in New York <laughs> right, City right, right, in right. the early 60s. And that's great. The band's into it. What I didn't tell them was that. The driver was instructed to pull right underneath the Rev One Hundred Five Studios, <laughs> and this was before you had moved. You were right across from the Loon. Yeah, no, we were at Kickernick, yeah. right downtown. Yeah. 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 So, and unfortunately, the band didn't know about it, or they never would have agreed. Of course not. So, yes, they drove around downtown. <laughs> There's playing a big Lump, qualifier there. Lump over and over, and then they parked <laughs> for like a half hour underneath your studios. <laughs> And apparently when the band found out what I had, you know, pulled off, they were not happy because they were offending a supporter in Rev one oh five. But that's a great example of you know, we talk about this competitive, you know, crazy things we did. Nobody was, you know, called out. There's more damage being done on social media right. in a week oh, yes. than we did in three years. Yes. It, it was all in fun so yes this band played underneath your studios and i heard you key the mic and you could hear them through the through the window and it was funny it was, but that's that's to me is the whole bit is like i'm like shit that's
0: a good one like <laughs> I, like well, then, like you, you begrudgingly respect the people who are like right. like you know when someone gets you good one of the things i prided on and i've been burned plenty is like when you get a good burn you're like Fuck! That was pretty fucking clever. Now I'm sure management was angry, and the band was angry, and whatever. But that was that was a glorious moment early on, and in an early. informative moment. Yeah,
3: no, the, yeah. The, those kind of things were an absolute blast. I remember remember when Smashing Pumpkins came downtown for the Downtown Block Party, right? And There
0: were 110,000 right. freaking people right. down there. I right,
3: do. and 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 we just we felt that they did not deserve to go with that station. It was 100. It was a Stern station. You know, it was right. a parking lot after Howard. So. So uh, John and I got together and we started building up some ideas. And so you know where the Glicks building is, right? So we rented out Glicks and we went up top and we got all the way up and we made a 40 by 60 banner. And this was (laughs) the the zone banner, (laughs) right? Right. And so and we had interns and we had everybody all lined up and there's a hundred and seven, whatever thousand people downtown. And right next to the stage is where the Glicks building was. And so we got everybody on. They got wind that we were going to do something. So they brought in searchlights, right? This was the insanity of what was going on. Right. They had searchlights to burn out whatever we thought we were going to do. <laughs> so we made these gobos, they were called, and we made it, you know, the Zone 105 logo, and you right. can project it, right? Oh, so yeah. So we got up on the roof, and we got the projector, and we got the entire system set up. So right at the right time, and this is during Conclave. So every radio nerd geek in the world is coming into town for this thing. And so this is the show. And right right before the band goes on, we push this banner up and over Glicks drops down the oh. entire front end of Glix. Uh-huh. We had this intern band, you know, that gargoyle that's up on the center. He climbed out on that gargoyle oh and God. we're like six floors up. Because it hooked, and so yeah. he ends up dropping the banner. We had Stacy V, who was a promotions director. She now runs uh, Stagecoach. Voice. Yes, she she runs Stagecoach out in, in in California now. Right, and and she's like you know sweet talking the cops because uh, what's his name Andy blah 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 uh bloom was running uh 100 he's in a flak jacket calling out on all of this stuff <laughs> right and john's up there with me on the roof and <laughs> and so we're guiding the light and it's projecting onto the target center and it's our logo above the band <laughs> yeah. and he's moving this this insane you know uh, uh whatever that they are. Light, they called it. yeah but but uh, they're trying to burn out our yeah. light with a with a stupid uh, spotlight and it those are the things that were fun and to john's point You know, more damage is done in two days on social media than any of the stuff that we were
0: doing. Oh, no, we live in an ugly time right now. I try to imagine what it might have been like back then. You know, and again, gather around, kids. Grandpa's going to tell a story. But Uh, there was a way to generate a buzz. I mean, even when Rev went off the air, that day it happened when Cargill decided to pull the plug, there were, like, 30 cars out in front of the building which it may not sound like anything right now but that's the equivalent of something blowing up on social media people were so mad they took their day off to come and say fuck you you're not going Mm -hmm. away Mm -hmm. it's like no that's that's not okay um i would like to there are two stories i want to tell but i want to make them both very quick because we've been too long without a song in fact we're only going to do one right now before we get into one of my favorite british five pieces of all time uh, and when we come back, I want to talk about being on your personal property, Peter, and giving myself a third-degree burn. <laughs> we'll come back on the far side of this song to do that. But, John, you and I, uh, it, among the many adventures we shared in our time in radio together was a night out at Target oh, Center yes. seeing
2: I Don't say it because I've got to tell the story. I'll, I'll let you tell it. the
0: story. I just, you know, I'll share my details on the far side of
2: it. I'd like you to tell the story before we hear this, please. Okay, now. When you would say Best New Music First back some 25 years ago, (laughs) it really was Best New Music First because, again, kids, there was no internet. There was no YouTube. When radio got a hold of a a new record by a big band, not a big band uh, as in uh, Benny Goodman, but a huge alternative band, (laughs) we usually usually were the first ones where you would hear it. So to, to make sure it was fair, the record companies would time it out and they would overnight these cd singles to you and everyone had the same the same advantage so i've got my a and m guy in town he says okay tuesday morning in four days you're going to get spoon man by soundgarden and you can play it from 9 a.m on it'll be in your mail at five to nine same same with rev 105 but i have a copy of it on me and i'm going to play it for you but i need it back And if you leak it, which is the term for playing it early, Mm -hmm. I'll lose my job. You'll be, you know, cease and desist and sued. I would never do that. Yeah, bullshit. So, <laughs> so he gives me the, the the CD single, which didn't even have a label on it. It was just blank. I play it. I listen to Spoon Man. First time in my life. I'm like, yeah, it's a little hard, a little more uh, melodic. Would have been nice. But here you go. That's good. It's a smash. And, you know, Soundgarden was arguably one of the top five alternative bands on the planet. Easily. So I give him back Spoon Man. He puts it in the jewel case. Okay, Tuesday morning, 9 a.m. That's the deal. Thank you. He goes over to rev 105. He puts the CD in the uh, player for the program director. And the following <laughs> the following song is what came out of the speakers.
4: Yo,
1: <laughs> So classic. Yeah. <laughs> now, <Ooh. laughs> zik.
5: ah.
2: Uh. Yes, before I was in radio, I wanted to be a magician, so I was quick with the sleight of hand. I had switched out So literally, CDs. you kept the Spoonman promo yes, CD yes, yes.
0: and put Wannabe by the Spice Girls back in the jewel case. case. Yes. And so when he went over and everyone's drooling, yes. wet with anticipation over the new Soundgarden. Yes, <laughs> uh, apparently, apparently, the term effing Lastman was yelled <laughs> I'll be honest, I'm, I'm certain that was already a confirmed term. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm certain that was already a confirmed term. I somehow don't know that story, yeah. and maybe well, I've just forgotten it mm. in the interim. But, um, Behind the scenes. You
3: know, yeah,
2: I
4: don't,
3: I don't think they were talking no, about it a lot. But he,
2: he did call me and say, listen, ha-ha. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh-huh. if, again if you do play that because it's now in your possession i'll lose my job and i'd never played it early i didn't want to you know which is fine yeah.
0: but but also that's one of the reasons that i liked i've been on both ends of your bits like that before <laughs> and i like them because they're never entirely mean-spirited and there was always an element of Fun competition. Now, you were on the top of the mountain with a 100,000 watt station, so you had the cards in your hand, but you were never a complete dickhead about it.
2: No, and. Sometimes largely a dickhead. And, and, (laughs) you know, know, karma's a bitch. It wouldn't be long before I was sitting in uh, Kevin Cole's (laughs) office running Zone 105. Right. So, right. uh, There you go. Well,
0: karma is a bitch, but I mean, it all goes around. I mean, so after 25 years of doing it, now doing a podcast for a year. I can't tell you the number of people who are like, well, when are you getting back to radio? I'm like, I don't know that that's the move, uh, for me personally, because it, the nature of it has changed. I'm not asking it to go back to the halcyon days of Alan freed, right? It's just, it's changed. And I've got a good podcast going right now. And I have another side gig that I like, and I don't know that I'm going back in that direction. Now I've had some wonderful adventures there and some incredible times. It was really wonderful. Not sure. I'm going back there. Um, Peter, you when you talk about promotion, right? So programming is a a crazy animal, right? Like I mean, so programming—you've got to not only come up with the songs that people actually want to listen to—and there's the age-old chicken and egg argument of: Do you make the songs popular by playing them, or do you have to find the popular songs? People already know what they are, and you have to find the right songs to play. So the on air part is always challenging and you know and and John so has to deal with all these mercurial personalities and people whose heads are already up their own asses and they think they're the rock stars and trust me I I know I,
3: I know of which I speak sitting in vehicles for 2 hours trying to get somebody back on the air because they're having a bad day oh,
0: but no. then but then on the promotions end, it's another animal where you're like all right we have to not only come up with cool events to do we have to come up with this and that thing to do but then we talk about these epic Epic annual events like Edge Fest, which right. would then evolve into Edge or X Fest or whatever, um, you know, and so trying to coordinate. And I know that to a lot of people, the the business end of it, the financial end of it, the dealing with management end of it, holy shit, I can't even imagine what that must have been like putting together a multi-day or even a single-day massive festival with that many mercurial personalities and their their subsequent management. I can't imagine where you even start with something. I mean, you would have to start eight months in advance to put something like that together, wouldn't you?
3: We did, and we we would usually start almost a year in advance. And this, is, this was the advantage of working with John and working with the station on this, is they understood promotions, and they understood that, hey, this is the tangible aspect of how these listeners engage with the station. This is how you get that personality in that embrace. And so, John and I would take trips, and we'd go to New York or LA, and and we'd start shopping, and we'd want to look for bands. and the And the difference that we did uh, that we didn't want to do with with this festival is we paid artists right we actually paid them it wasn't just like hey we'll add your record for two days on the overnights and if we can get you out here to headline that'd be great
0: well and it, but this is also the beginning of the festival era this is where like i mean bands show up for 90 minutes set yep. for a quarter million dollars like Correct. i know this is early on in this but this sort of lays the groundwork for what has become the summer the summer festival Absolutely. culture
3: it, yeah and, and this is what we built and it was over memorial day weekend and we started out with the first one at about 15,000 the next one 30,000 and then it just Kept building, Jesus. and we and we partnered with a really good promoter, a guy named Randy Levy and mm-hmm. Gene Hollister, and, and that team, and they helped you know with the logistics on this stuff. But it was so much fun to go out and and find these bands because hey, we had a venue, we had a checkbook, and we had a really important radio station that could set the tone on this stuff. And so then all the sponsors and all this stuff. So you chase down these artists, you put all this stuff together, and it's phenomenal because you got 35 acts over the course of two days. We were the largest two day festival in the country at one point, right? And so. Uh, I mean, we're doing insane stuff because of what was happening. Like the offspring, we wanted to bring them in. They were playing the night before in D.C. Well, let's go rent a jet okay why not why not let's go get a jet and so we would go do that when Moby was breaking with play yep and he came out there and he was super weird about coming out there and of course he was he's a weird dude he was it's all weird and I had to make all these promises and there's all these caveats and deals to get him there and finally when he got on the ground he's looking around the campsites and 30,000 people all over the place and he's like um this looks a little bit like a refugee camp It's like, it's like, and that's, that's the goal, but it, that that's the fun. And that was the magic on bringing yeah. this stuff together. And the promotions, that's why we did it.
1: Oh, you did an incredible job with the festivals. You oh, would right. also get incredibly stressed out. Yes. But one of my favorite things was Peter would come by my desk and you'd go, I think we need to go on a little drive because I could see this <laughs> fucking, his head his head was about ready to spin around And we'd get in my car. We wouldn't really talk much, no. but we had replacement CDs with us. We would pop them in the car, Mm -hmm. roll the windows down, and just drive for like an hour. And then come back and be like, okay, we're good. It was.
3: It it was therapy. I
0: have have so many good EdgeFest stories from just the couple years that I was involved with it. One including I had a fresh... Wide open seeping third degree burn when I had to, <laughs> when, I, when I had to interview Courtney love, but perhaps my single favorite edge fest moment of all of them because I happened to be out in the crowd while it was going down uh, it had been particularly hot and dry so instead of being like one of those mud fest ones it was right. very very dusty. And Pizza Hut was selling these individual pizzas. Yeah. So there may have been upwards of 30,000 small cardboard Frisbees <laughs> out in the middle of the crowd. And Corner Shop came on. Oh, no, yes, I, uh, <laughs> John, 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 when I say Corner Shop, what's the at Edge Fest, what's the first uh, thing you think of?
2: Brimful of Asha. And, uh, well, and the fact that they, they didn't they will fucking play it. Uh, yes, Yes. And uh, the word decorum.
0: Yes. If there's no perform, if there's no decorum there's no performance. Oh my gosh. As, God. as, they came as to- soon as they said that, every single pizza box <laughs> on, on the course ground <laughs> went immediately into the sky. Uh, yeah. It was it was 4th of July in the middle of the day with cardboard yeah. except that there Dude, was corner shop in uh, the back. They
3: were <laughs> so high and they would come out on these carpets and and, and bean bags and they're, you know and trying to get all Playing this.
0: Playing sitars and yes. instruments we've never heard uh, the name but,
3: yeah. of. But one of the best promotional things, Flip would come out there and, oh, then, oh, yeah. and we'd have a helicopter with this pilot <clears throat> not qualified uh. over fly, flying over the crowd yeah and, and throwing fruit loops yeah. all over the place yeah. and 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 all this kind of stuff and then this band would come along and 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 john's just looking at these guys when he's calling out to the audience he's like who the fuck why do, why do we have to do this let's go guys
0: john your favorite and if by favorite i mean either truly transcendental which i doubt we're gonna get
2: or the greatest nightmare of your live festival career oh well pick one i know I there's even, more yeah, than edge, one edge fest is such a blur i mean i remember the first year at the 11th hour i was offered a new artist and i had to turn him down because we didn't have time uh and a year later i wound up paying back 75 grand but yep. a year before he was free, yeah. So well, you know, no, and- no doubt wanted five grand. A year later, they were you know five hundred thousand dollars. This is what this is what would happen. I mean, these bands, and it was you know maybe we had twenty five bands, and of that five would you know smash through the stratosphere, right?
3: That, and- that, that's when we had, um, 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 what's his name, Gavin Rosdale, right? Yeah. And yep. so, so we had no doubt, and, and she was great and would hang out with my wife and and, and talk backstage. And so we brought uh, Gavin in. And so they were managed by Rob, blah, blah, blah. Gohan, yeah, yeah and, so, and so we get these deals done. I get an emergency, and this is back when pagers would, you know, come out. And it, <laughs> Peter, it's Rob, emergency, call me. Right, oh, and this is the, shit. this is the day before the show, right? right? And there's nothing left of me anyway, and so I'm walking around and I like running get the phone and it's like call him and it's like, hey, what's going on? Well, um, <laughs> Peter, we have a problem. Like, what's up, Gavin? Like, and I'm ready for him to tell me that it's over. It's not going to go. And he's right, like, uh, Gavin usually needs um some supplies when he gets ready to go on stage and and you understand he can't fly with these things right and i was like okay where are we going uh can you get some you know some some smoke I'm like oh <laughs> is that the emergency yeah i could get uh, some smoke <laughs> <laughs> that's no problem and so i went down and found it and they had to pack it into a marlboro of course and then gave it to the the uh the, the right people at the uh whatever limousine company Like, make sure that Gavin gets his pack of Marlboros right when he gets in the car. Do you understand me? (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) These sandwiches, they're so
0: small. And if I keep folding, that's why I just, when I think about the the nature of the business of it, right? Like, I mean, we all like going to rock shows. We all like having a good time. We all like a really good song. The nature of the business end that you guys had to deal with, regardless Uh, of the amount of power uh, or influence or leverage you had at your disposal at that time. Yeah. It's endless, like, just the limited exposure I had to band management. Like, Uh, it's their job to insert themselves between you and your professional obligations and them and the public, and even though they're like, okay, no, we know we're all doing business together, it's, it's, it, they're never just going to give you anything. It's always going to be an argument or a fight. What's, I mean, Uh, so uh, other than. Getting Rossdale, who by Rossdale. see you, bitch. Other than, <laughs> other than other than that guy having to get
2: high before yeah. he gets on stage, I mean, John, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, you have to deal with these egos, and mm-hmm. uh, let's see if you can figure out what artist this was. This was at uh, one of our Christmas shows, and uh, Edge Capades. Edge Capades, oh, it was so fun uh, at the Target Center, and this band headlined, and they were amazing. And they were on top of the world at the time, and they got off stage, and I said to the lead singer, thank you, introduce myself, uh, you know, you guys are great, I know you didn't have to do this at this point of your career, but thank you so much. This guy took a inhale of his cigarette and blew it right in my face and walked away. Oh. Who, who was
1: it? I know.
3: Okay. <laughs> no, no,
2: guys... I'm
1: trying to remember, because I was there, obviously. Give but... me the year. Oh, God, 97? Seven. 97,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I might still... Oh, if no. This time, of, so year, I this time of the year in
2: 97. Uh, it'll be so... Uh, Noel Gallagher. Oh. Yes. Fuck oh, that God. God. Uh, <laughs> just,
3: They were such
2: dicks. What's weird is that man... What, what's wow, weird is...
0: Liam, Liam seemed like he was the difficult one. <laughs> no. And I've had an opportunity <laughs> to interview both Liam and Noel. Noel, many years ago with our... Everyone we all know mm-hmm. in this room, Steve Nelson, we were so afraid. In fact, we heard the Spice Girls earlier, and at the very end of that interview... Nelson asked him which Spice Girl he'd like to be. And I was like, (laughs) I'm like, we're going to get cut by a broken bottle. Noel was... (laughs) He uh, Liam was super cool. Noel was a dick. He blew it right in your face. Fuck yeah. uh, yeah, that you, guy. But you can
2: yeah. you know think about this. Here's the lineup for the a Christmas show, and it was what? What were the tickets? Nine dollars oh, ninety three. Yeah. yeah, is yeah, Oasis nothing. Hole. I think Lisa Loeb, yep. Marcy Playground, and then throw in another three. I mean, Amitri, and
3: yeah. uh, we did uh, one. Nothing says Christmas like Danzig. Yeah, Danzig. Yeah. Uh, and, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> we had so many. We had so many shows with, with Courtney Love. I think we. Did did like three or four yeah. and that was when you know the the crowd chanted at edge fest because she was a poor performer but uh, and we, she we, shot her husband yeah well yeah and
1: well that's what started true, the nightmare but i would like to keep this podcast going <laughs> <you know? laughs> but that but but
3: i mean you sit there there's drew barrymore walking around with baby bean yep. and 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 we're getting yelled at john and i are, you know this was back in the the, the marvel days and john and i are standing <laughs> over in a corner having a cigarette, and the security guy's coming over to us and they're like, "Hey guys, not there, not here, not backstage." It's like, dude, twenty feet from us, they're <laughs> right. having an orgy and and they're yeah. and they're smoking yeah. everything under the sun, and and you're going to bust us on this. Yeah. But that was uh, That's the, what you did, yeah.
2: Uh,
0: so we're going to hear... I don't know what our next song is going to be. I honestly don't know where we're going next. I don't either. Since we're talking about backstage <laughs> at Edgefest, Ed, Ed you... I don't know if you still live there. I but, do. Okay, you still live on I that still have the farm that, that butts right up to Edgefest. Yep. There was one night we slept there, and um, I... It's possible that I was overserved that <laughs> night. Um, and I still, to this day... Some 25, 23, whatever years later, have a third degree burn oh. scar on my leg. I was up a little too late. I had had a little too much to drink. Uh, and luckily I had a little something to get me over the hump the next morning. <laughs> and I, I, I went into the, I went in to do that in the, um, In the porta potty which was already hot. It was the middle of summer. (laughs) And I was like, we're going to have to go into this trailer and we're going to be interviewing artists all day. And I'm like, all right, you just part of being a pro is you show up and you do your fucking bit and you do your thing and you draw down deep. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, hey, Courtney Love wasn't going to come in for two hours. She's here right now. We have to interview her right now. And I wasn't ready. And so I just sat there. I mean, bleary-eyed, <laughs> bleary-eyed is damning me with faint praise. I was you ruined were that day. so
3: white that morning. That yeah, I was I just the- feel good.
0: Peter. <laughs> really, I didn't feel good. Uh, and um, and the two times I've interviewed Courtney Love in my life, I expected her to be an outrageous, impossible asshole both times. And I will say this, even though I don't like her music, and as Sean alleges. She may have had something to do with the passing of Kurt Cobain. Um, really good she, writer, I hear. She was delightful yeah. on both interviews. Yes. In person, yeah. I was so hungover and so expecting the worst. And all she did was tell me that I had a mullet. And I'm like, uh, well, she's not wrong. Um, and she, But she also was super funny and wanted to talk about her days stripping in Minnesota. I'm mm-hmm.
2: like, well, I didn't bring it up. As long as she brings
0: it up, sure. I think we're cool, and
2: right? Goofies, and, goofies. Yeah, yeah. I, Never been to Goofy's. That was closed by the time you were of age. Oh. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> of age, as it were. But oh, you've been to Auggie's. Uh oh! Oh, uh, mm. yes. August. That brings us back to the story about the uh, Spice Girls at the Target Center. It <laughs> certainly does. A story that we'll save for another time. We're talking to
3: John Lashman and Peter Jones. I I need another song. What are we going to hear next? Uh, I'll tell you what. You can go. You can go with uh, Social Distortion because I tried so hard to get my. I'm a huge fan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have a Mike Ness crush. And I had tried so hard to get them on the bill for every Edge Fest every time. And tours wouldn't line up, dates wouldn't line up, John wouldn't add the record. Um, every you know, <laughs> things like this wouldn't go. Baby head. And so, and so finally, I, I'm working with this promoter and it's like, okay, well, what happens if we offer them 30000 What happens? Uh, and he's like, dude, it's not going to drive ticket sales. So don't I? And finally, the promoter, Randy just looks at me and goes, dude, I will buy you a ticket and i will fly you to wherever they are uh, we're not dropping 30g no. on 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 social distortions like fine 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 but when this song hit it was just like oh my god my anthem has been created they love me at least spiritually from what i can tell and so you know that that's where i wanted to go with this thing it's the only artist i could never land for edge fest that mm-hmm. i really wanted
0: the Brian Oak Show, and I realized that I'm, I'm reminiscing so much. It's weird to see old colleagues, bosses, friends that you haven't seen in so long. I've kind of forgotten my professional obligations. So real quick, Buster's on 28th. They're a sponsor of this show. They do amazing work, and they are an incredibly important local business that if we do not support them, they will go away. I'm glad things are locked down because you know what? I don't want to die of COVID. I don't want anyone else to die of COVID, but I do like to eat... A delicious Cubano sandwich from time to time.
1: Absolutely. And right now you can get curbside to go. Buy gift cards, please. Buy them for yourself. Buy them for other people. That will help them get through this dark and challenging time until the doors open again after uh, we get through the lockdown.
0: Speaking of a dark and challenging time, most people, even in the best of years, would think, oh, right now this is the nadir, the lowest point of the year. I use nadir all the time. Look, I didn't even go to... Co- well, I did go to college briefly, but man, that shit was for squares, or so I thought at the time, but it turns out, actually, the smart kids paid attention and kept doing it because it did matter.
3: It, does anybody have a
1: degree in this room? Yeah,
0: no. Uh, okay. I don't think so. Show, show, of, show of hands. Degree? Okay, no. all right. No one finished their secondary education Great in this room.
1: future and radio. But I,
0: but I, I did bring Nadir to the table. Okay. Anyway, my point both, was, in them. trying to support you, Sean, was that despite the fact that many people think this is the low point of the year for Realty, you're still doing work as part of Edina Realty.
1: I am. So if you you or somebody you know is looking to buy or sell, have them call me or text me 612-859-2594. Uh, once things get back to normal, I'm actually going to uh, take a percentage of each sale and, and go back to the Warming House and donate to that great uh, local small music venue and help out local local artists and a great local venue so 612-859-2594 that number is also text worthy
2: hmm.
0: interesting sponge worthy text whatever the case may be <clears> throat>
2: throat> art you got that right um, <laughs> dude
0: it's a word it exists it's a thing uh, that actually right. um, paste eater on um, <laughs> 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 it's the brian oak show and it's unusual and it's once again by the end of the show gone completely off the rails john Lastman, peter johns uh i've known these guys for most of my adult life for better or for ill we've worked together we've all seen many many different aspects of the crazy radio world and i had a couple questions to end with but apparently john you have a question for me
2: well, first of all, what the f are you doing to my podcast?
3: No. <laughs> um, but, uh, You're allowed to say fuck on this podcast, I John. I, I, it's I, so I, out of character you know, for him, though. It please. really, it really is. Is
2: that, uh, We've mellowed. We've matured. No, Mark Ellis, who uh, is a oh, sales man, professional, yeah. oh, sales no. professional extraordinaire, wanted me to ask you. Another guy we've all worked with yes. in many different areas yes. for many yes. different years. He uh, he oh, worked with no. me uh, later on at CBS and. Yeah. Cumulus, but he worked with you at Rev. He did. He wanted me to ask you to tell the story about the Rev bus to see Pearl Jam at Summerfest.
0: Now, did he really ask that? Because <laughs> he—he's not one of the heroes of this story. No. But he wanted, oh no! He that would be
1: a good oh story. no!
0: All right. Well, it's a fairly good story, and I'll try to make it as brief as possible. <clears throat> Uh, Rev decides that we are going to because Pearl Jam's not coming to the Twin Cities, but they are going to go to uh, was Summerfest. Is that yes, where we yeah. went? Milwaukee, right? Yeah, Milwaukee, right? It, was, it wasn't even Milwaukee. It wasn't Summerfest. It was uh, what's the uh, Kadat. Name? Uh, what's the name of that little weird River's place? Edge? Uh, the, Float right Park. That no. yeah, that the Grateful Dead always played at. Yeah, it it's was, one of those oh. weird side yeah. places. Yeah, okay, who there? Yeah, yes. yeah. Okay, fine. So Alpine Valley. Yeah. There, there it is. is. There, there it is, is right there. there. So Saved we're us. gonna go see Pearl Jam, and we're gonna take a bus full of people there, right? right. Off we go. Let's have fun. It's rock and roll. Yay. So we all take off. And we've got not like a little minibus like Rev had a minibus. We've got a giant (laughs) tour bus. And we go. And the place, everyone's excited. We're all going to a rock show. This is going to be amazing. Off we go. We go to the rock show. And Pearl Jam is Pearl Jam. They put on a great show. They were amazing. But we're doing it. We're not staying overnight. We're going to get back on the tour bus before midnight, and we are going to head back to the Twin Cities, because it's a Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Super, super, as I told you (laughs) early on in the podcast, Rev 105 was more about passion than it was experience or acumen, and so we get back on the bus just before midnight, and people are... Feeling it. I mean and 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 I don't know if you've met any radio salespeople before like Mr. Mark Ellis. Most of them in treatment. They are they are tuned. Up. And that's fine. We're having a blast. <laughs> I'm not going to name any other names, McMonagle. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 but uh, we're on our way back, and, and that's fine. We're all having a good Every time. We noticed. just saw a great rock show. We're right. partying. Who cares? It's 1.30 in the morning, and we are in rural Wisconsin, and we're heading back to the Twin Cities. Beep, 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 beep. The bus breaks down. Oh. Oh. Now, what's great is yeah. there are people who actually cared in both the sales and promotions department there who decided they're gonna take charge of the situation they and they are cross eyed. They can <laughs> barely stand up. And about a mile away is a diner mm. that we decide we're all gonna walk to Good. and hang out there oh. till the bus gets fixed. Oh. Now as we're walking, the story comes out that two of the people on this bus are lawyers and they're do-it court At 9 a.m., and it becomes abundantly clear we are not going to be back in the Twin Cities by 9 a.m. And you know what's fun is partying, but what's not as fun is as people sober up and the cold, (laughs) harsh light of day comes creeping back in and the actual responsibilities and things we have to do. So the ending was not as exciting as the middle. We did get back to town. Not in time for lawyers to get to court, but watching hyper... And again, I'm oh. not judging anyone. I have been blackout drunk many times in my life. But watching extremely loaded salespeople and promotions people be like, no, I'm in charge. <laughs> no, I've got this. No, I'll fix this. I'm sure neither of you have ever seen anything no, like nothing it. nothing
3: at all. And that's when people <laughs> decide they're going to get honest, right? Oh. And so, you know, I'm, I'm six pack in and I'm ready to start talking about my real feelings here. And... uh I'm in charge.
0: Yeah. Oh, Christ. okay. I'm in charge. Which at that point, I was so glad that I was just talent. Or no, I know. The fuck well, uh, I was. Like, I'll, you know what? I'll charm these people. Hey, we're going to go <laughs> eat scrambled eggs <laughs> at the diner. I want nothing to do with any of the responsibility part of this. Yeah, no, that was. So what I learned that night was, A, always make sure that someone else is in charge and responsible <laughs> in case anything goes wrong, but also maybe give yourself more than a six or seven hour window to go ahead and get people back to their day-to-day yeah. lives Sunday, no. Sunday
3: night promotions
0: not a great idea
3: dude yeah. you know, we're the adjacent property owner on the edge fest and all the festivals out there right every end of festival we go for a cleanup and always in our field is usually a human that has <laughs> uh that's laying in the that, mud that, oh, that's yeah. come across and they got lost and they're in the field and they're like oh wow it's like yeah do you know where you are no what's going on and you know where your cars are no so, no nothing like, like that Woodstock.
0: Exactly the modern day Woodstock. Well
2: it's Radio uh, Station oh, there radio it is. Station okay. downtown at the Rev 105
5: front office. Welcome to Rev 105. How can I help you? Yeah, hi. We're here to install the quasi-season modem breaker antenna switch in the conference room. The
3: what?
0: The the multi-rum spritzer valve antenna modulator.
3: Okay, well, go right down this hallway, take a left at the studio door, past the break room, and adjacent to the storage room is the conference room.
2: Thanks.
5: Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Later at Dizzy Radio Corporate
5: Headquarters Boss, boss, we finished installing the monitoring tap in the Rev 105 conference room.
3: Excellent. We are one step closer to alternative radio domination.
1: Let's listen to see what our pathetic little revolutionaries are up to now.
2: <laughs> Diversity? Integrity? Will Ricky Rat discover the success of Revolution Radio? Can our beloved revolutionary sweethearts uncover their dastardly plan before it's too late? Tune in next week for another bone-chilling episode of Radio station, radio station. Brilliant.
0: I need to know who made that. I can't even tell from the, qua- mm. the, the uh, Was that was that an Edge thing? Was no, that a no? That was a, rad, that, was yeah, that was a Rev. That was you guys.
2: That was a Rev One Hundred Five promo that uh, Jay Philpot. Sent my way, thank you, Jay. And uh, didn't defending mean to,
0: ourselves against our corporate uh, I, overlords,
2: you know. But it, it wasn't very pointed and didn't no, make a lot of look, sense. Look, I, it, it was. <laughs> and there's your summary, Brian. Well, to look back <laughs> on it, you know, the edge Shit. didn't really go after on no. air. Didn't go after Rev because we were going after KDWB, the course, station that was right. beating us. So mm-hmm. you always you, you were know, going after actual competitors. Up. Well, the, the ones that had bigger ratings than us. So right. But lo and behold, Rev was running things like that, trying to position the edge as the mean corporate. Edity or uh, you know Ricky Rat, but uh, it's interesting, didn't mean <laughs> to cut. Didn't mean to cut you off no, no. there. Uh, Sean hit the play a little quick, but he no, wrapped uh, it up. <laughs>
3: but, but but that that's the final take on that is 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 you know there there was two lanes right there was mass exposure and there was the credibility and so the everybody lived in between right yep, yep. and 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 our job was up it was KDWB it was the big ones in town yeah and 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 Rev was always a check are we honest. Follow up you know. You know that that was just a checkpoint with, uh-huh. with that. So, no, it wasn't malice.
0: As a guy who worked at Cities ninety seven, uh, as things changed over my fifteen years there, you know, eventually we were set to fight KS ninety five, so that KDWB would have its freedom to do whatever it wanted, right. and we were we were a pawn basically. And um, yeah, no, I've I've watched it unfold. Maybe not to the depths or with the front row seat that both of you have had over the years. But um, we've all had our exposure, all four of us in this room, to the various times. Look, we have to wrap this up. I would. This should be a 15-part series and, in fact, may end up being just that. <laughs> but we got to wrap this one up because we all have other things to do, and it's Christmas. Mm. <sighs> so we're going to end tonight with one of my favorite Christmas songs. But before we get there, <laughs> I want to thank all of our sponsors, our Patreon members. Sean, thank you very much. Good well, to see your you, face. Great uh,
1: to see you, fellas. Great oh, to see you, Thanks, thanks Peter. John me, loved it,
0: and we'll have you back again. I promise. Because Love to. are you? By the way, do, do people know about the Chucker?
2: Oh, hey, what's What's not to love?
1: Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, the Chucker is still alive and
2: well and in the playhouse, and uh, he'll be uh, making a return uh, before you know it. But I do have a story about this last song. We're going to hear this last okay. song, but
0: I just wanted to know, do people know who the Chucker is? I didn't want to
2: out uh, you. That's a, that, no, you, out me. Thank you. Um, that's a, that's <laughs> another story for another podcast. But yes, the Chucker is a character We may have to uh, start
0: this interview over. The
2: no, no. Power Wake no, uh,
3: no, yeah. no, up
2: with wood. <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, uh, no, I used to field some of those uh, those screen calls coming in, and they're like, you know, after the, after John would do the interview, the chucker would do the interview. I, I would talk to the uh, the producer <laughs> on the other end in Hollywood. It was like, who the fuck was that? Who? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> who, who did that?
0: Is this uh, is this Tony Loke? Uh, <laughs> Oh, Son yeah, of a bitch! Yeah. One of my all time favorites. So that'll the youngest actor. <laughs> <laughs> that'll be a story for another time before we get out of here though uh happy holidays everyone continued health and safety to all your families lovely to see your faces again it's it's lovely to see you so long and um and we'll do it again relatively soon before we go john uh as i said this is a beloved holiday classic and you've got a good uh, story regarding this song Uh,
2: well first of all again it was a different time a different world (laughs) and when at the edge, we wouldn't really play edited versions of songs that probably should be edited. So you did not play so, the unedited oh, version of this I was, song. I was playing the unedited version of the song from day one, and didn't what? Didn't really even think about it. It was alternative, dude. You know, yeah, right? We, yes, we but go for also that. the F bomb well, is the F bomb. Well, until and someone it's descriptive complains. so <laughs> it sure is. so we're. We're in the aquatennial Torchlight Parade.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and the
2: edge van brand new station, but it was getting a buzz really quick. Yeah. And people were cheering when we would drive by. Oh, and I know I was right there on the parade route <laughs> watching it. but and I'm sitting there with my you know general sales manager. and as the edge van pulls by, Closer by nine inch nails is blaring from the speakers, and the f bomb is flying right and left. It was a real family friendly event. A Christmas
0: miracle. Yes. There's nothing that says the most wonderful time of the year like "I want to feel you from the inside."
2: Yes. <laughs> f- you like an animal, gentle,
0: gentleman. Thank you very much. Tell me, we're playing the unedited version of your damn right we are. Uh, Fuck yeah, we are. That'll uh, do it for episode one sixteen of the Brian Oak Show. Thanks to my guests. Thanks to our sponsors, and thank you, Trent Res for not giving a fuck.
5: You. you let me penetrate you, you let me complicate you. Help me, I broke apart my insides. Help me, I've got no soul to sell. Help me.